Hello and welcome to Move Conversations. This is your host Venkat. In this episode, we talk to Mr. Hans Udeshi. Mr. Udeshi is an independent consultant, but till recently he was the president of uh, Home and Living at Spar India, and prior to that he was the CEO of General Merchandise at Future Value Retail, which is better known for most people as Big Bazaar or the Future Group cow of companies. Right. My co-producer Mrigank and Mr. Udeshi were classmates at the very famous Shriram College of Commerce in New Delhi. Welcome to Move Conversations, Mr. Udeshi. Thank you, Venkat, for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, let's let's begin with the background to the evolution of modern retail. You have so much experience in the retail from a, from a, you know modern retail in India from an early days. So, when did it start? Who were the pioneers? How? So, uh, Venkat, surprisingly. Uh, modern retail in India or organized retail in India actually goes back uh, to before the 1900s. So wow. in uh, 1863, a gentleman called uh, Spencer. Oh, uh, Spencer. Put up the, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So he put up uh, this uh, Spencer's property and uh, that uh, also you know, it's morphed over the years into various uh, things and it uh, still exists in one form or the other right. uh, uh, at this point. Uh, so that uh, Spencer's Plaza uh, yeah. uh, was the first uh, sort of uh, modern retail modern format and, and it's that old. And uh, after that, uh, there was a Spencer's department store which was opened in 1890 something. Hmm. Uh, which had uh, some 80 odd departments and uh, presumably it served uh, the British and the expats there at that time. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I think very few people in retail also know this, yeah. uh, but uh, Indian organized retail is pretty old. <laughs> it's pretty old, yeah. Uh, but uh, if we take uh, modern retail in the sense uh, that most of us uh, understand it, which is post-independence, Right. Uh, you really have to go down to the 1990s uh, at the time of liberalization. Correct. So um, before that, so let's say up to the 1980s, we are all familiar with the way retail was in India when we were growing up, uh, right. people of my generation. Hmm. Uh, so it consisted of uh, what you could call high streets. Uh, so you can say places like... Uh, in Delhi, Connaught Place and South Extension Market. That's right. Uh, in Mumbai, Linking Road. Uh, in Bangalore, Commercial Street. Right. So there were these uh, places where people would uh, uh, collect and shop. Uh, there were some brands which were doing uh, smaller stores, uh, but uh, with an international look and feel, so Benetons and so on. Uh, there were some uh, Garment exporters in India who obviously uh, had been abroad and who understood uh, retailing as it happened abroad and had opened uh, primarily clothing chains. So, you know, uh, weekend uh, warehouse and so on. Yeah, pantaloons. Uh, uh, pantaloons, uh, yeah, also. also. Uh, uh, then, uh, but the pantaloon stores came a little later in the 90s. So, uh, oh, okay. They were not uh, yeah color plus was. pantaloons was little correct, later. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then uh, there were 
what were the malls of those days which were primarily kind of shopping centers because uh, right, they, right. they had smaller shops in them they didn't really have that mall look and feel which uh, consists of many uh, visual elements and uh, uh you can say architectural or structural elements uh, sure, which sure. is a topic in itself so i won't go into <laughs> yeah, that yeah yeah and uh, there were a number of people who were regionally uh, doing a lot of stuff uh, so there were the sarvanas in chennai who were doing some phenomenal retailing there was chermas in hyderabad there was hmm. vishal on the eastern side hmm. uh, so there was a lot going on but uh, Uh, to my mind and people may disagree with me uh, the first really sort of uh, sea change in retail came was when uh, shoppers stop uh, opened in andheri in 1991 okay because, tell us more about that yeah because this was a big store uh, air conditioned uh, lots yep. of space for people to walk around uh, they could touch feel the products uh, it wasn't the typical place where the person behind the counter served you uh, so it was uh, it was uh, a pretty stunning change i would say and uh, uh, i think a testament to that from my experience was i was working with a british uh, chain store and mail order company at that time right and uh, we had some executives who had flown into india because they wanted to Uh, set up the company stores here mm-hmm. and uh, they were looking at russia uh, and india at the same time and that was a time when you know uh, russia was going i just completed the transition perestroika yeah. glasnost all that stuff so they had gone to russia first and they saw uh, things there and obviously they were pretty primitive and uh, when they came to india they expected something similar Uh, as luck would have it when they landed in mumbai we had to meet some vendors there uh, their luggage was lost by the airline <laughs> and uh, so they somehow slept in the hotel at night and in the morning they asked their taxi driver just take us to whatever is the nicest place in town where we can get some new sets of clothes and uh, fortunately he was a sensible guy and he took them <laughs> to this uh, shopper stop shopper in stop. and when they came there they realized this was not russia because uh, <laughs> yeah. they were planning to yeah they were planning to set up something completely new in india and they found that at least one store of that completely new already existed exactly already existed yeah i've been to russia of that time so yeah okay. so, so you can understand how it must have been like so i think that was uh, uh, the sort of beginning uh the second uh, big change that came was uh, in 2001 mm. uh, big bazaar in a space of 30 days opened three stores all about 30 40 50 000 square feet right. and while uh, hypermarkets in some form had been around uh this was uh, uh, an indication of the first national footprint of uh, uh of hypermarkets that came Mm. Uh, because you know one was in hyderabad one was in bangalore one was in calcutta right. and then the fourth one was in uh, mumbai and within 6 uh, years uh, they were at 100 stores so that right. was a phenomenal speed for an indian retailer mm-hmm. and the fact that it was uh, across india so all this you know i will dominate this city or i will uh, dominate this state uh, that mm-hmm. was out of the window at that point 
Mm-hmm. So the how did they sorry. choose those? Sorry, um, no, I just wanted to, you know, yeah. uh, quick follow up because it was very fascinating to hear that they moved from you know, so fast to 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 hundred. So just thought that like it may be the uh, place to just get, uh, uh, you know, our audience understand this. How were the site or locations, you know, selection done in you know those days for 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 so many cities? What were the criteria? Um, uh, so I guess, uh, you know, uh, in those days, it was uh, property was a bit of a seller's market because there were only so many uh, developers and so many properties uh, that came on the market. Right. Uh, but uh, the thought of uh, going to uh, these three cities was uh, one of the reasons was that uh, they were a little bit uh, away from the radar. Uh, you know, it was not Mumbai or Delhi where uh, you get noticed immediately. Mm. So the idea was to uh, launch a little uh, quietly uh, mm. and then, you know, uh, see if there were any things to be corrected and then do them in the subsequent cities, which is precisely what was done. So so my question was also about the subsequent cities, you know, the, the, the next year city. So how do they make those selections for... Uh, uh, both, uh, you know, city selection as well as, uh, uh, you know, location selection in those cities. I, I, uh, I get the developer issue, but but yeah. you just say that how would they so, still... Uh, so while I was not involved in the store selection sure. or the property yeah. selection, sure. uh, the idea was uh, largely to get into now major metros. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, to, you know, iron out the wrinkles and then... Uh, you know, put a big visible face. Uh, uh, that's also the time when uh, food was introduced into these stores. Uh, so okay. earlier they were only apparel and general merchandise, and uh, you know, now it was a complete offering. So it became that much uh, more relevant as a concept. Right. So, what were the you know differences across these various parts of India? Because some. Uh, uh, in a short time uh, or reasonably short period of time if you grow from like you know from 5 to to 50 to 100 or so so what you know uh, what are the way you know, notable differences across the cities and the regions and in terms of retailing practices and so on and so forth so i would say some of uh, the differences are uh, probably still valid i mean uh, uh, you know, India, India is a large country with a lot of diversity. So uh, various cities and various regions behave completely differently. Uh, they have very uh, different um, uh, ways of operating. They have a very different history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I were to, you know, put it in slightly cliched terms, uh, but, you know, cliches are based on some kind of facts. Uh, the South uh, tends to be where... Uh, has tended to be where uh, most retailers have wanted to start okay. uh, because uh, it's uh, experimental. It accepts uh, new formats. Okay. Uh, it's not overly brand conscious. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one can uh, try a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. The East, uh, on the other hand, tends to be very traditional. Uh, okay. What we found, uh, you know, in working there was uh, that uh, this generation used to still stick with the brands of their parents' generation, which still used to stick to the brands of their grandparents' <laughs> generation. Right. Uh, 
Right. Uh, now, again, I'm saying it's a very broad brush sort of statement, but it sort of indicates uh, the difference between this region and uh, the other regions. Right. Uh, the North, as you would expect, is uh, highly experimental. Uh, you know, they are more sort of generous with their uh, money. Uh, they are willing to try new things, uh, spend. Uh, I would say uh, the, the Northern... Uh, uh, let's say non-urban regions are a little conservative. Okay. Yeah. But in, the, in the cities, uh, they are extremely uh, aggressive, and it's a good place to, uh, you know, get higher spends. Right. And the West? Uh, uh, the West, I would say, is uh, two parts. Uh, okay. One is one is Maharashtra, which is uh, kind of. Uh, uh, well, because because Mumbai is a large part of Maharashtra, uh, it uh, it's an expensive place uh, to do business, mm. uh, as as is the NCR. Uh, uh, but uh, the other part is uh, Gujarat and Rajasthan, uh, if you consider it as West, uh, extremely conservative, uh, difficult to do business because uh, every person knows the price and the value of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know the the Gujarati and the Marwadi, uh, they're they're tough people to uh, uh, to get on your side. Mm. So uh, I I think those are the broad differences. And I, again, I'm saying it, it's a kind of very general, but uh, yeah, it, these things help uh, when you're making decisions. Right, right, right. So uh, you know. Uh, how so? How does this uh, you know you keep in mind these and other what are the other factors that you keep in mind when you think in terms of SKUs and you know merchandising as you start adopting to smaller cities, right? I mean, I, uh, mm. you did mention that in the bigger cities when you first enter, there are certain commonalities and you know a big city as uh, the the kind of population that you first encounter, who whom you cater to when you open a supermarket like that. So there are some similarities. I also talked about. Um, um, south and the north, uh, a willingness to experiment and so on, the big cities, right? So then, but then when you start, when you have to adjust to smaller cities, uh, do you uh, adjust the SKUs and, uh, you know, um, do you do your merchandising differently when you go to these uh, smaller cities, you know, east, west, south, north, whatever? Uh, you can so, highlight uh, all the interesting differences and yes, similarities. So uh, let's put it this way. Uh, there used to be a lot of differences. Uh, okay. So when, when I go back uh, uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, uh, there was a lot of differences. Smaller cities had not evolved and they still wanted uh, more traditional uh, sort of products, uh, particularly when it came to actually when it came uh, across categories, because there was just not enough awareness. So there were many things they, uh, which you could have put in the larger cities, uh, which uh, the, in the smaller towns, they would not have really understood the use of, and they would have taken a lot of, uh, it's kind of difficult to convince somebody to use something which uh, they don't know how to use. True, true. Uh, I would say today the differences have, largely gone away. Uh, uh, there, there are some differences in uh, terms of, uh, let's say, clothing. So uh, if you're selling to smaller towns, uh, more conservative towns, you possibly could not get away with uh, very short skirts or uh, low necklines. Uh, 
uh, and things like that. Uh, so uh, one has to take care of those things. But otherwise, uh, fairly standardized. Even apparel, uh, you know, there used to be a very particular look and feel to small town apparel. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, uh, let's say, if you have kids, apparel uh, will have lots of patches and uh, sequins and lot. Uh, it's uh, kind of changed because it's become more uniform and uh, looks more like what you would see internationally. So okay. slowly those differences are going away. And, uh, you know, one incident I remember very clearly was, uh, uh, which sort of uh, uh, told me that the shift had happened. And this was about, again, maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, we had uh, one of our uh, regional uh, people had uh, called us and told us that, you know, he was in a small town in Maharashtra. And he said, uh, you know, you guys keep sending us stuff which doesn't sell. And he was uh, referring particularly to the luggage category. He says, you send us all these trolleys uh, which people wheel around at airports and all. They have no meaning over here. Uh, You know, we need uh, trunks and suitcases and all that stuff. So, you know, stop selling, uh, sending us this stuff because it doesn't sell. So we said, okay, let's, uh, you know, some of the numbers were uh, not uh, showing the, uh, too much sales in even uh, the things uh, he was mentioning. And in fact, we had to liquidate uh, some of that stuff. So we were, you know, we were not very convinced about what he was saying. So we... Uh, we we went down, we drove down to that uh, city, the whole team, uh, and uh, we said, you know, just take us to some uh, shops that sell luggage and let's understand. So he, he took us to the market and we looked around and sure enough, all the shops had trunks and uh, they had the suitcases and all the stuff which we didn't keep uh, because we were a little trying to be a step ahead. Uh, but then when we actually got talking to the people who ran those stores, You know, they said, uh, we keep this stuff because uh, we think we should keep it. But the stuff doesn't sell. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I think we felt vindicated that day. uh, So what uh, sold was uh, the ones with wheels and all. Absolutely. So it's just that uh, we weren't selling too much of uh, anything. So it was more of uh, a problem of uh, the store. you know, maybe uh, the way we were running it or the location or a hundred other things. Uh, but it was right, not the products, right? So, you so, know, sometimes the simplest answer is not the right answer. So, you need to take it deeper. So, that's, that, that brings me to an interesting, uh, you know, related thing that, uh, you know, would you recommend, given this kind of experiences you have had, would you recommend decentralization of merchandising across Indian cities or should it be centralized by a modern retail chain? Uh, see, uh, initially, when uh, uh, modern retail uh, uh, started, uh, so to speak, uh, and I'm talking about 20 years or 15 years ago, it was very important to uh, decentralize and uh, to give the regions a lot of power uh, because uh, uh, data was not that great. Uh, customer understanding was not that great and uh, uh, the people on the floor actually had the insights, uh, they were talking to the customers every day. So it was uh, pretty uh, logical and uh, uh, I think that's the way most retailers uh, did work. Uh, I think as time has gone by and uh, 
you know uh, the ability to understand data the kind of data we have the kind of uh, insights and the depth of understanding we have about customer behavior and i think online has uh, shown the way in this you know uh, that uh, uh, sometimes pure data tells you so many things that you really don't uh, need anything else so uh, i think gradually gradually uh, it's uh, people i mean we've seen companies move away to a more uh, centralized structure and i think that will uh, probably uh, continue Uh, right. Again, this is my opinion. Uh, so, so would would you say that so these categories can be managed more in a similar way? You know, whether it is big metros or small small cities, right? Yes, yes. Absolutely. In fact, uh, your 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 some of your examples remind me. Um, sometime back, uh, a couple of years back, probably I I had uh, interviewed uh, uh, CTO of Flipkart. at the time mm-hmm. yes he's no more yeah. with the with the organization he's moved on and this this was this interview was published in uh, you know one of the straight times uh, newspapers here singapore uh, newspapers so he he one of the things he pointed out is that like uh, uh, so talking about like how flipkart is able to push many of the things that from the city products also into into the uh, you know uh, big city products into so called uh, next year cities and so he said that like, he said that like vekat you all are big city boys you don't understand he he had grown up in kanpur uh, if i remember correctly so so on uh, so he said that we we had a bata store and um, and even the, in the we didn't and then the the you know the whatever who was the retailer for batas he kept only certain types of shoes and not many other shoes it's not that we didn't have the money to buy there were families who were willing to buy better shoes we didn't have it so i used to give money to an uncle who will go and buy when he goes to a bigger city he would buy it and things like that so this what many people didn't understand that there was a pent up demand for the city right. thinks in the next year so absolutely so so absolutely. you 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 saw you you faced a similar thing is that this seems to be yeah so. absolutely and the example that comes to mind is uh, you know we had uh, again uh, a region which was a little bit out of our radar because it was a smaller region and uh, mm-hmm. uh, so therefore it got less attention mm-hmm. again when i went there uh, and you know asked about uh, what were the products that were required there and what was it that wasn't coming mm. uh, i was given a list of four or five things uh, that we should supply but we weren't and you know um, but when we went to the stores after that we found that you know of the five things all five were there in all the stores <laughs> uh, so you know it was just that uh, things were not happening because that region was a little bit uh, off the radar uh, so uh, maybe you know people were not working at full efficiency and uh, right right yeah just you know you you were getting information but uh, yeah. you know data is kind of pure uh, when you get people's opinions you don't know how much is fact and how much is their opinion right so what are the challenges given the the context setting and the background that you have talked about what are the challenges that modern retail faces now in india uh so uh, uh traditionally there have been uh, two or three challenges the first of course is uh, which we touched upon is uh, property mm-hmm. uh so uh, you know spaces are uh, and good properties are kind of hard to find 
Right. And uh, when they are, the price that you have to pay for them is uh, pretty exorbitant. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. That is uh, that is one. Mm-hmm. So again, <laughs> I remember uh, uh, in one of the companies I was working for, uh, we had one uh, French uh, gentleman come over to help us with uh, property selection. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just went around town and he saw a plot he liked and he says, you know, I want to build a store here. Hmm. And uh, we had to convince him it doesn't work that way. You may want to build it here, but this is not available. You know, We have to go by what is available. Hmm. Uh, it's a bit of a seller's market. Uh, so I think that's one problem because uh, he, he was quite shocked. You know, he said, I, I point at this and, uh, you know, you figure out how to get this to me in the next few days and, uh, you know, we start working on it. Uh, so obviously, uh, you know, it's a little more complicated in India. Uh, so, uh, and also, you know, uh, uh, once you start paying the exorbitant prices for properties, uh, uh, it plays havoc on your margins. So especially right. if you are in a low margin business, uh, like let's say a hypermarket, uh, if the rent uh, knocks off half the difference between, uh, you know, your selling price and your cost of goods sold, mm. And you don't have very much to play with on other factors. So, you know, then how do you pay for your employees? How do you pay for your power? How do you pay for all the other costs that are uh, uh, that have to be paid? And how do you make a profit at the end of the day? Right. So that's a big one. The second is uh, talent, mm. or trained talent, I would say, uh, because uh, retail as a sort of subject for colleges to teach is a fairly recent thing. And a lot of retailers have tried to set up their own system of uh, training uh, and so on, but it's still um, still not exactly where it should be. So that mm-hmm. is one. So uh, I think these are the two. And the third is logistics, because most of the logistics that uh, happens uh, is still fairly primitive. Uh, you still uh, sort of calling up the truck driver and, uh, you know, finding out where he is. Fortunately, now they have phones and uh, you can catch some GPS uh, uh, and uh, some kind of GPS. Uh, RFID is still a little expensive for uh, most kinds of products. So uh, uh, that is, uh, I mean, it's improving. And again, I would say online has shown the way and, uh, you know, they are doing a phenomenal uh, job of uh, the way they are handling their logistics. There's a lot of learning uh, that comes from there. So I think these are two or three uh, big uh, big factors. Finance is not one of them. Is that correct? (laughs) Finance is surely one of them. (laughs) Yes, I think I missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Finance is surely one of them. And, uh, you know, given that brick and mortar retailers are not able to get the kind of uh, funding that uh, the online uh, people have been able to get. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, it's very relevant. They remain uh, kind of profitable for uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, sure. So that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.